Mm-hmm. Taylor too, sour. Um, now we are beginning a new sermon series um, from today um, until March end, March 29th, and we are going to look at this book we call Every Good Endeavor. You know, we've been looking at pursuing God all the way from January up to now, and we are changing. We are changing gear. We are shifting. We are now looking at what we call every good endeavor. If you've never been to Karura, we have what we call a spiritual emphasis campaign. This is where we get to focus on a certain topic, go deeper into it, and we just get to teach you and equip you about that topic. And this time, we've decided we will do every good endeavor by Tim Keller. This book goes only for 700 shillings. You can buy it at the info desk. You can get it there. But we are going to study that book. And what Tim Keller does in every good endeavor, he connects your work with your faith. Let me first ask, how many are working? How many are in the work field? How many are joboing? How many are joboing? How many are joboing? Ah, okay. How many aspire to jobo? One day you'll jobo. Okay. Yeah, ah, that's fine. You may not be in Jobo, or you may not be uh, hired or anything, but you one day want to be work. One day you definitely want to work. I know if I was to ask you, some of you guys, um, some of you would want to be doctors. How many want to aspire to be a doctor? How many doctors? Uh, Liana and the rest. Teachers? Teachers? I don't even want to ask a pastor because no one will put their hand up. Yeah, there's a teacher there. Ah, okay. How many would want to be engineers? Those who have not in work with engineers? A, sw- uh, uh, a swimming instructor? Okay. Uh, a football coach? No one. Okay. Ah, yeah, man, good stuff, good stuff. See Captain. Captain Tukekru is behind there called Alex. He'll give you more insight. But definitely. But we are all aspiring to do something. When I was growing up, I've always wanted to be an FBI. You know an FBI is? You know who an FBI is? So what we would do with my, my brothers and, and I didn't have a sister. Uh, with my, you know. So what we would do with my brothers is we would take uh, our mom's hangers and then we would make guns. You know, and mom would come and say, Hangar, we go happy. Um, and I would politely say, we used it for creativity. You know, and would make guns and would go around putting guns behind, shooting at each other, boo, 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 boo. You know, I mean, this is, this is the effect of watching too much investigation series and movies. You know, I've always wanted to be an FBI. Then as, as time went by, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a doctor. And, re- and start healing people and start and treating them and, and dungaing them shindano and, and doing all these things. And then I realized the Lord has not gifted me in sciences. And so I let go. I let go and I told God, lead me where you want me to go. Doctor may not be a visible dream for me. And so I will walk away from this doctor. At some Kwanzaa in South B, where we used to live, there used to be those Porsche Matatus. Those, you know, those Porsche Matatus where, 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 you, where the driver drives with his one hand and his the other hand and the whole body is outside and the legs are just on the pedals and all that. I've always wanted to be a Matatu driver. You know, just to, you know, and just chapa music, boom, boom. You go around the estate, boom, boom. That's what I've always wanted to do. I always wanted to be many things. I'm psychology, and I became a psychologist, and I went through counseling. I studied counseling and eventually became a counseling psychologist. There's a difference between a counselor and a psychologist. When you do both, you become a counseling psychologist. You know, 
And at the end of the day, Kumbi, I realized God wanted me to be a pastor. God wanted me to be a pastor. See, God like niambia kitambo nikefanya hizo You know, I would have saved on my energy with guns and all that. But I was in the process. God wanted me to investigate his ship. But I thank God for where I am. Now I'm working as a pastor. But you know, working for me is not just working. It's a calling. God has called me. And so today we are looking at work and faith. And for the next six weeks, we'll be trying to understand how work, how what we work, I've been a doctor, I've been an engineer, been a project manager, how these things connect with our faith as Christians. You know, how does it connect with our faith? You know, we'll be trying to comprehend God's intention for work and what does God expect of us while we aspire to become doctors, engineers, and all these things. What does God expect of us in all these things? And let me begin by asking this question. Is there a work that you consider more spiritual than others? Is there a work that you consider more spiritual than others? Answers, give me answers, give me answers. Is there a work that you consider more spiritual than others? Yes? Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. Which one's all? Any? Being a pastor is more spiritual, isn't it? Okay. And is a waiter more spiritual? I'll leave you to go figure out. But by the end of this campaign, we'll have known. Are there spiritual work and secular work? We'll have known. And then, is there work that you fear doing in your life? Is there work that you see and say, eh, Mr. Z, do we job? I can't do this thing. Any? Me, I can give you one example. Oh, petrol station. Why a petrol station? Okay. I think, Amanze, he said it's Amanze. I think one of the jobs that I fear doing is to be a mortuary attendant. They pack you, they pack you, and then they return you back. I can't do that. I can't do that. Jehovah Lord, I can't do that. And God knew he cannot call me to that place. Because what will I be doing there? Will I be the one being attended to or will I be attending to the guys? And so I fear. I fear. Surgery. Yeah. Surgery. I was watching, I was watching uh, these this, this TV shows you guys love watching. So my wife was watching a TV show. Was it a TV show? It was a YouTube thing. Uh, this, this YouTube thing where um, they show how a baby comes out of the stomach after cesarean. Oh my God. Oh my God. You wouldn't want to watch that thing. You wouldn't want to watch that. I told my wife, now what are you watching? Surely, ladies being cut Vizuri just being sad, and then the baby is being removed with all. <sighs> anyway, a surgeon. I can't be. I can't. I can't do it. Jehovah Lord. Any other thing? Any other profession that you fear? I fear being a pathologist. Apa? Unajowale wanakujanga kuambia, you died because of what? Me, Jehovah Lord. If he called me to that place, I would have asked him, call me home. Let's go home. That's the profession. And that's the kind of work people do. We all do different kinds of work. You know? There are guys who are prison warders. Would you want to work in a prison? How many would want to work in a prison? Anyone? God, surely. What ministry are you doing? You can't help people in prison. Prison warders. I can't be. You know? And there's that fear. And there's that fear, man, of God. But all in all, we must work in life. 
we must work in life. We can't live our lives without working. Work must be part of our daily lives. Work is a means to an end. The reason we work is so that we make it in life. We have to make it in life. You know, we all are hustling, looking for opportunities to grow financially and support ourselves and our families. We are all trying to reach out to the peak of our lives. You know, do you know the oldest profession in the world? What's the oldest profession in the world? What's the oldest prostitution? Prostitution is the oldest profession in the world. Does it matter to God what you do? Does it matter to God in what you do? Does it matter to him? Does God think about what you do and the things that you work for and the aspiring dreams that you have to be an engineer, a waiter and everything? Does it matter to God? Yes, it does. It does matter to God. And why does it matter to him? Because work is a calling. Work is a calling. You know, there's always that demarcation today. I'm living my life. There's always that secular demarcation. Yet, there shouldn't be that demarcation. Because we are all working for God. The fact that I'm in a church doesn't negate the fact that you as a Christian cannot work where you are for God. You know? Christians must weave their faith and work together in their workplace. You know, by practicing a worldview that puts God at the center of one's convictions about work. So what's your convictions about work? What's your convictions about being a doctor? You know, those are the questions we ask. And this happens when Christians understand that what God intends to, for work is to accomplish his will. That's what God intends. In whatever you do, whether you're a pathologist, you're a, you're a petrol attendant, or all that, the important thing is that you accomplish the work of God. So work should be a way of unleashing God's creation's potential. A way of giving people purpose. You know, a way of promoting human flourishing within a society. You know, it's not just working for yourself. It's that you work around you. And that's why we work. You know, people fail to accomplish these purposes when they use their work to sinfully serve themselves. You know, you fail to do God's work wherever you are, whatever you aspire to. Because I know there are people who probably are not yet in the workplace but aspire. But you fail every time you work and work for yourself rather than for God. The good news of Christ is that when people repent of sin and believe in Jesus, their convictions about themselves and others change so they begin developing new perspectives about their work. And so that's the whole thing we'll be doing the next six, months, six weeks. You know, just looking at the perspectives of work. And you see this book that we have? This book is what will guide us. This book is what will guide us it all. And so this book is divided into three parts. And I want to take you through the three parts so that you understand why you need to get this book and why you need to be engaged with us for the next six weeks. And probably even invite your friends and those that are in Jobo, you know those friends of yours who are in high places or in corporates, please invite them. Let them know that we are doing something connecting your work to God. So part one. Part one of this book talks about God's plan for work. And God's plan for work is divided into three, into four. Number one is the design of work. So what's the whole design of work? In the beginning, God created, and then he rested from his work. And that you'll find in Genesis. You know, work was not supposed to be meaningless. The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. Please note, that is what the first mandate that God gives. He says that you have put you in the garden of Eden, and I expect you to work in this garden of Eden. But things got spoiled. God delighted in his work. Yet even in the beginning, God created limits of his work and rested on the seventh day. 
and then commanded man to imitate him and rest on the Sabbath. That's the whole point of work. The humanistic view of work is demeaning. People look at work, you know, there are things that, you know, you look at someone, like the guys who, who, who sell roasted maize, you know, it's very easy for you to demean them. But do you know those guys, by the way, benefit you? Imagine if everyone had a degree. If everyone had a degree. But we thank God that there are people who can be able to roast maize for us. We thank God that people who can boil. If you go to banana, kuna boiled maize, mob sana. I'm inviting you there. I pass by. But those are guys who are doing their work. There are people who sell cabbages. There are that, that mama skuma who is outside there, your house, who's always cutting skuma for you. Imagine if those guys were not there, especially for the singles. Supermarket. Carifo. Afford. And those are the things that we always consider. It's easy for you to demean people who have not the same value of you. And this is why we are talking the dignity of work. And you can only appreciate work if you, it, if you view it from the God's role in creating culture and civilization. He told them to be fruitful. God told guys to be fruitful and fill the earth. You know this fill the earth, you always think it's for married people. It's not for married people. It's for you guys also to fill the earth. But not the way married people do it. It's for you to fill the earth in many other ways, you know, and subdue it. That's, what, that's, that's a dominion that God gave you in work. So God expects you to cultivate your work life and for you to be fruitful in your companies and for you to be fruitful wherever you are working. Even whether you're working as a secretary or you're working as you, God expects you to be fruitful because he says it in his word in Genesis. And then finally, in God's plan, part one for work is worker service. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul tells the Christians that it is necessary to change what they are currently doing in life. That's what he tells them. And he says this, and this is, and this is, what, this is what he tells them. God calls you and assigns you spiritual gifts to carry out in your ministry. God has given you spiritual gifts. God has given you talents, you know, and he's calling you guys to work. There are people who are good at what they do. The people who are just good in accounting. God has given you that gift, that ability to be very good in your accounting. And he's asking you that you use that service for his glory. That's what he's asking of you, you know. And so work a service. So even as we look at this book, Every Good Endeavor, part one of this, is we're looking at the design of work, the dignity of work, workers' cultivation, and workers' service. That's what we'll look at. Then we come to part two, our problem with work. So there's the part, there's the God's plan for work, and then part two, our problem with work, you know? And number one, one of the topics we look at our problem with work is work becomes fruitless. Work becomes fruitless. <coughs> Ever since paradise was lost, you know where paradise was lost? Do you know where paradise was lost? Who knows? Who knows? You know where paradise was lost? Full nature. And so people feel fruitful, fruitful and fruitful. People will always feel unfruitful in work. I don't know whether you guys have been in that place where you feel like, I'm not, I'm not being fruitful in my workplace. I'm not gaining anything in my workplace. You know, we were never meant to find our fulfillment in work. God never intended that you find your fulfillment in you being a doctor. God never intended that you find your fulfillment in you being an accountant, in you being an engineer. God didn't intend that. God intended that you find fulfillment in his will and in working for him. That's where he intended you to get fulfillment. And then we look at work becomes pointless. 
Work becomes, we'll not only look at work becomes fruitless, we'll also look at work becomes pointless. And then this guy, this guy who was the richest in the world, this guy called Solo, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 17, he says this, so I hated life, man. I hated life. This is the guy who enjoyed life. This guy was enjoying himself with riches. But he says, I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Have you ever run after the wind? Should we do a demonstration? I ask you to stand and look for the wind and run after it. Have you ever ran after the wind? It's pointless. Because you won't catch up with it. And that's, what Saul, and that's what he's saying. That even as we look through this book, we recognize that sin came in. And when sin came, it made work pointless. And I think at the end of Ecclesiastes, Solo, Solomon concludes and says, I think the whole duty of man is to just fear God. That's the whole duty of man. Not just to work, but to just fear God. And then there's the part where work becomes selfish. Work becomes very selfish. Remember the builders in, Je in Genesis chapter 11? Remember those guys who were building the Tower of Babylon? Why were they building the Tower of Babylon? Were they going to see God? No, Tower of Babel. Were they building to go reach closer to God? It was for their own sake. It was for their own desires and their own selfishness. And if you go to Genesis 11, God puts them down. He destroys them. Because work is selfish. You know, it is very easy for you to work without thinking about others. Making a name for yourself. So you go to work, you want to be a doctor because you want to be called doctor. So. Or you, you want others. So work becomes selfish rather than focusing on God. A guy, a lady called Esther discovered that the purpose of her work was to give herself to save her people. That's what Esther did. Her work was just to save her, her people. And that's what she did. You know? Jesus gave up his palace, choosing God's will rather than his own, ultimately giving meaning to our lives. <coughs> Sorry. So work becomes selfish. And there's a question. You know, if you actually, some of you, those who are not working, if you actually sit down and ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing, you know why I always wanted to be an FBI? It's because I wanted to see action. I wanted to see myself in an action movie or something. Because it's just about me. It's not about the rest. So even when you go to work, you work so that you're promoted, so that you can start demeaning others. Work becomes selfish. And then the fourth thing, work reveals our idols. Work reveals our idols. It's no secret that people sacrifice, people worship money. People worship their promotions, you know. And those are the things that we do, you know. So we find satisfaction in... You know, in our successes, in our, in our own significance. So we don't define our work according, or our success according to how God looks at it. We define it as the world defines it. So work becomes our idol. You know, there's nothing else you think about but just your work. You know, you'd rather step on people's toes and people's heads as you go on your way top to your promotion. Because work has become your idol. So God is no longer the center of your work. God is not no longer the center of you being a secretary or you being a waiter. God is no longer the center of you being a teacher or whatever you're doing. God is no longer the center. It's you just, you know, some of you just want to be public speakers so that you publicly can be seen. So it becomes work reveals our idols. 
And those are the things we look at. So part one, we look at God's plan for work. And part two, we look at our problems with work. And then part three, we look at the gospel and the work. And where the gospel came in. And one of the things we'll be looking at is a new story for work. The new story for work. It's a topic in this book, a new story for work. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. You know those things, whatever you do? Whatever you do, like the way you, you're, you're looking at me, that's whatever you're doing, you do it for the glory of God. So I hope you're looking at me for the glory of God. And that's what the scripture is saying. So whether you eat or drink, I don't know what you drink. Are you, I hope it's the right drink. Mm. Mm. You do it for the glory of God. That's what 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says. While, while people blame Something in the world, Christianity, we blame sin for the consequences of work we have. You know, the whole world is good, yet fallen and destined to be redeemed. And that's what Christ says in Romans chapter 8, that he's still restoring the creations of the world after all the sin that happened. And then after the new story of work, which I look at the new conception of work, we need to define this conception of work, you know. And this is what the scripture says in Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatever you do, do it well. That's what the Bible says. Whatever you do, do it well. Do you know there are companies that, don't, that fear hiring Christians? Do you know that? Because most of the time you're spending praying. At lunchtime you're praying. At three o'clock you're praying instead of doing your work. And yet the scripture says whatever you do, do it well. A new conception of work is to understand why has God called me into Safaricom? Why has God called me into which other companies there? Mina Jotu Kanisa. Which other company is there? EABL. Yeah. yeah. So why has God called me into EABL or uh, tobacco industry? Uh, yeah, that one also. Uh, which, eh? or, uh, <laughs> which other companies are there? Do you guys know? Deloitte. Um, which other company? Huh? Safari That's a sports. Obaburu huh? Cements. Yeah, such companies. It's just asking yourself, why is God calling me into all this? Why is photographer like Paul? What, what, what is, why is God asking me to be in this photography company? Why has God called me to Karura? Community Chapel. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And that's what the book of James chapter 1 verse 17 says. Every good and perfect gift is from. So even the work you have is a gift from God. It's a gift. You know, recently, recently my wife got a job. She didn't have a job for two years. It's to recognize that God gives you the ability to do work. Because it's one thing for God to call you to a company. It's one thing for you to get the grace and the health to be able to go work. So it's a new conception of work. We will try and define for you. You know, the whole aspect about work and how you should carry out yourself in work. And then we shall also look at the new compass for work. You know, the new compass for work is just what, what directs our work life. Is it our Christian values? What, what values direct our work life? When you go to your workplace, you know, do you work with integrity? Do you work with faithfulness? Can your boss rely on you? You know, can, can the people around you trust you? with the things in the workplace. Or when it reaches four o'clock, they tell you, let's go home together because they can't leave you in the office. 
You know, we will look at the new compass for work, the values of work. You know, the Christian virtues of life, faith, hope, and love. How does faith, hope, and love play a part in your workplace? You know, how do you love others within the workplace? Do you have faith even as you go to work? And does it give you hope? You know, some of you guys wake up on Monday and say, oh God, it's Monday. Thank God for us pastors, Monday is our... We don't wake up and say, hey, Monday is here, man. We always look forward for Monday. While you guys are saying, ah, Monday, Jesus. As you're saying, Jesus, thank you for Monday. Because we live different lives, man. Different professions. Different. You know, my wife, lives, my wife and my daughter leave me in bed. <laughs> I find that interesting. They leave me in bed. They wake up at 6 o'clock. They wake up, they go. You know, my wife dresses, dresses with my daughter. Uh, and then they go. And they go and they leave me there. And I go to bed with the boys. and say, ah, it's time for us to sleep, man. But you all have different works, different jobs. So don't desire to be a pastor if God hasn't called you. So the new compass for work. <laughs> and then the new power for work. That's the last topic we look at. The new power for work. And what power is this? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. That's Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. If God has called you to play football, play like you'll never play again. You know, if God has called you to, to be a, to blow dry and blow dry, one of the above. If God has called you to one of those things to do. Do it with all your heart. And do it with the perfection of what God has. If God has called you to be a barber, you know, one, one of our congregants is the one who actually shaves me. You know, he does it very well and he does it. You know, don't I look well? Don't I look nice? I don't want your opinions. It's okay. But you see, the thing is this. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Because God is asking of you, whatever you work at, even the day you'll become a Dr. Georgina, the day you'll become a teacher, the day you'll become whatever God is asking you to do, the day you'll become a mechanic, please fix our cars well. Do it with all your heart. I... I, I enjoy being a pastor. I enjoy what I has called me into this place. It's just asking yourself, who gives you the power to do what you do? It's God. And that's what we'll be discussing about. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Because you know what? Work can become very draining. Work can become very draining. So the joy of working comes from the fact that you're working to serve God and not man. The satisfaction of work is in knowing that God is at the center of the work. So here are some reflections that you need to go home with today. Some reflections that I needed to give you that you need to go home with today. Please forgive me today. Today I didn't do any PowerPoint. Please forgive me. It's been a very hard week for me during my health and everything. In fact, I was just doing, I was just, it was so difficult for me during the week. So I'm asking for your apologies. But we do PowerPoints. You know we do PowerPoints. Yeah, those red and yellow ones, we do them. Yeah, but some important reflections as you go home today. Number one, every work is special to God. Every work is. Even that mamamboga, that lady who cutters cabbages for you, even that lady who does your nails, and does, or that man who does your feet and, and makes sure that you're pedicured and manicured, is special to God. There's no work before God's eyes that is lower than the rest. Every work is special to God. Are you aware that even that lady who works in your house, you know that lady who works in your house, that lady who wakes up every morning to cook tea for you and clean the house and all that, you know that lady is very special? You know that lady is valuable before God's eyes? Imagine if that lady was not there. 
Some of you would be waking up with homa every day because of the dust. But that lady who cleans your house, that domestic manager, you know, me, I call her house manager. You know, that lady, all that. She's very special before God's eyes. And so every work is special to God. As long as, please note, as long as you're doing it for the glory of God, then it's special before God's eyes. You know, there are people who've been hired to kill. Are they doing it for the glory of God? Is it special before God? And that's the whole point I'm saying. As long as you do it for the glory of God, then it's special before God's eyes. Number two, you become God's hands and fingers in your workplace. Whatever you do, just know you become God's hands and fingers in your workplace. He uses you in the areas of your work to fulfill his agenda. Some of you probably, God has just called you to sing and just to work at that and to just worship and just live. Some of you probably, God has, has asked you to do what? To be, just be a teacher. And he says, you know, you're God's hands and fingers in this thing. I remember when, when I used to work for Gender Violence Recovery Center. I know every morning, as a counselor, every morning you'd wake up and you'd meet with ladies who've been defiled. You'd meet with ladies who've been burnt up by their husbands because, well, they didn't do what. You meet with young children who have been defiled, have been molested. I know what, that's the moment that God uses you to minister to these people. Because you become God's work. And that's what I would do every day in Nairobi Women's Hospital. Every day. And it just to give me satisfaction. Because I know God has called me with my fingers and my hands to use at this moment at time to be a blessing to these people. And so he's asking yourself, can you become God's hands and fingers in your workplace? Can God use you in your areas of life? Even as your God. Can you be a blessing to people? And then the third thing. Your work and your ability to work are all gifts from God. Therefore, use them to serve God and not man. Your work and your ability to work are all gifts from God. Therefore, use it them and serve God and not man. That's your work and your ability. You know, for you to be able to work, for, you to, for me to be able to come to Karura every, every Tuesday to Saturday, is the ability of God, is the strength of God. And even some of you, as you continue to grow and get jobs, it's just the ability of God for you to work through it all. And then finally, we need to see our work or what we are studying to become as God's call for us to be salt and light. Let me repeat it again. We need to see and open our eyes to our work. And our, you know God has called you to be salt and light in your workplaces. Do you, God, do you know that God, whatever work you do, as, as small as you think it may be, you know, probably that work that God, your parents give you at home, God has called you to be salt and light because he knows that the world is too dark. He needs his people to do it. So let me finish by saying this. If God is the center of your life, if God is the Lord and Savior of your life, then all through your life, including your work, dreams, and aspirations of life, God should be the center of it. If God is the center of your life, if you really confess and profess Christ as your Lord and Savior, then all through your life, including your work and aspirations and dreams, God should be the center of it. So may God be the center of it. Amen. I'm looking forward to studying this book and just seeing what God has to say about my work 
and the things I want to do in life, my dreams, and what God is asking of you. So I would request that if you can, get a book, get a copy. If it's so difficult for you, get, a, get some people, get two or three people. You know, just contribute even though it's 700 shillings. If you get three or four people, you guys can decide how you can read. It's a very simple book, by the way. You can read it. It's two chapters a week, by the way. It's just... Oh my God. That is my phone. But I know the Lord, wherever he is, has seen my cry. I don't even want to look down. But anyway... Let me pray for you guys even as you go home. Zal, do I need to conclude or I just allow you? You'll come and conclude. I conclude. Okay. Are you sure? Sure. Okay. So, um, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the lessons that you are learning today. You know, just looking at what you are asking of us to do even during the next six weeks. Oh God, we pray that we'll be faithful and committed to understanding your work, the work that you're calling us to and how we can connect our Christian faith with our work and do it for the glory of your name. So, Father, help us. Even help those who are thinking, how do I get a book, God? I pray that you'll provide for them to be able to get a book and study to, oh God. Lord, help us during the next six weeks just to understand this work. We thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. God walk with you. God just embrace you in his love. May you be fruitful in all that you guys do. And may God just provide for you refreshment for the week. Yeah, and there's refreshment there if you want. God bless you. See you next week. Jehovah.